Hey everyone, it's uh, it's another holiday chat, and I've got Joe on the line uh, from Oregon. Hey Joe, Merry Christmas. How you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, Happy holidays, David. Oh, thank you. Um, so, uh, Joe, what do you want to talk about today? I am uh, really interested in buying an online business. Okay. Um, and I don't know if I'm ready or not, and I don't. I'm not even sure how to prepare to actually be able to run one. So that's kind of, that's my main concern is is even if I bought one, how do I op, how do I operate it effectively? How do I keep it going and actually grow it and improve it? Maybe even one day sell it. Okay. And do you have like why don't you tell me a little bit about your goals that are driving you towards this plan? Uh, I think the the main thing is that I would like to have more flexibility with my time. You know, I'd like to just spend more time uh, with family. Um, there's a lot of interesting things that have happened over the last couple of years, um, uh, you know, to everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one, the reason why I'm in Oregon is uh, 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 because of the circumstances, kind of because of the pandemic. I'd really like to be, be able to see my family more often. They're down in California. Okay. Yeah. And you have a job right now. Do you have to go to a workplace every day? I do. Yeah, yeah. I drive uh, delivery. Okay. Yeah. So, so in your mind, if you can dr- dr- sketch out an ideal future vision, what's your ideal day like in a year's time? If you if your plan to buy a business works out, what does it look like? Um, it looks like me, I mean, my, you know, my typical day right now is, is actually pretty nice because my job is flexible. So Mm -hmm. it's like the first two to three hours of my day I'm working on, I'm working on like the website or the business. Um, and, you know, just working on something that I'm really passionate about. I'm, uh, you know, my background is as a, as an artist, uh, and a designer, Um, and so I really like the creativity, um, you know, that I could put into, um, some of this online stuff that I'm seeing. Okay. So that's what I try to do with the first part of my day right now. And then the, the next part of my day is, you know, it'd be nice if I could, uh, you know, move away from, uh, uh, driving and, uh, you know, spend, spend the rest of my day outside. You know, I like to hike. I like nature, spend some of that time with friends or family. Um, yeah, that'd be great. How much time every week do you think you would spend working on an online business? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I wouldn't mind spending somewhere between 15 to 20 hours. Okay. And how much do you want to earn from this business? Um, I mean, I think what's realistic uh, based on some research I'm doing um, you know, I think somewhere in the low six figures would be great. Um, so to start, I mean, to start out, I guess it would be like having kind of like, it would be like having another job, um, which is, you know, which is fine because I'd actually be interested in it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my idea so far. That's that's my concept of what I'd be doing. Okay. And the online business, can you narrow it down? Cause there's certain categories. There's like Amazon FBA, there's uh, you know, affiliate link 
websites with that drive traffic because of content. There's a couple of different varieties. Have you thought about that? I have. Yeah. Um, so I tried to start an e-commerce uh, site a long time ago. Mm -hmm. um, I worked for a nonprofit uh, down in California and um, that was, uh, it was really hard. <laughs> I, I actually, um, my main background really is as a teacher. Mm -hmm. um, and so in that job, uh, which I did for about two and a half years, uh, I was a department manager. And actually it was fun because I got to, I got to hire people. I got to train them. Um, I even had to fire someone. And, uh, uh, you know, it was like right up my alley. But it was so it was so difficult working with uh, trying to get like an online shopping cart set up. And the guy we were working with was in Pakistan and communication was really difficult. So um, I think that would be like the last thing I would want to do right now out of all those. Yeah. Um, and, and, and given that it's likely easier today with with tools yeah. like Shopify, you know, it's like a lot of the stuff that you had to do just even a few years ago, you don't have to do today. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I don't want to let like a bad memory hold me back. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I think being a more kind of, mm, you know, creative person, I think something more like a content uh, a website is up my alley. Okay. Because the, one of the, and the reason why I'm asking you all these questions is because I want to, I want to have an idea of what your expectations are because what, what I run across quite often is that people will say they're looking for an online business and they somehow get the idea that because it's online, it's somehow an automatic business right? where, where there's really no work involved, but everyone I know who has a business that's primarily online still works like crazy. Like they still work full time on their business because they're always trying to figure out new and different ways to do things, to grow the traffic, to get more people coming through, to, you know, it, improve the click-through rate, improve the conversion rate, like all that kind of stuff. Right. And, and, and when they're not working on the business, you know, they're taking on education, like they're trying to learn more from other people in, in one shape or, or another. And, yeah. and th the other thing that, um, that I like to say about online businesses is that, um, I mean, you, have you seen some of the interviews I've done with Jared Krause on my YouTube channel? That's uh, what inspired me to, to get on this call with you. Yeah. Okay. Read that. Yeah. Because um, I honestly don't think it's good to differentiate between online businesses and the rest of businesses, because I think that the online space is just, you know, part of the milieu that business is conducted in. Like, like every brick and mortar business should have some component of its marketing, advertising, customer service, et cetera, online. It's just that some businesses don't have much of that brick and mortar component, you know, like, like, like a, a content affiliate site, for example. Um, because if you're, if your goal is to become location independent, I'll give you an example more and more people are doing different kinds of service and consulting and teaching and all this kind of stuff virtually, which means that they're location independent, but they're still doing a business that just used to be done face-to-face. -face. 
Right. I am doing a little, it's interesting you mentioned that I am doing a little, uh, consulting. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I work with people, um, who just have like a hobby and I just, I talk with them and kind of sketch out a plan for them to, to actually turn it into something they can, they can actually make money with. Um, yeah. Done a few of those by zoom. Um, and yeah, I, it, you know, it's fun. <laughs> so you, so, I mean, the purpose of your call is you wanted to learn about preparation, right? So you've got, you've got this goal and you want to know what can I do today to be working towards that? So yeah, yeah. One of, the, one of the takeaways that I've picked up through working with clients and through talking with people like Jared is that, uh, and shout out to Jared, um, the Buying Online Businesses podcast. It's all about this online space. Um, one of the things that I've, I've, I've seen over the last few years is that the multiples people are paying for these businesses is growing. Um, and, and again, it's because a lot of people are being um, attracted to the perceived lifestyle options that are available when you, when you move to this kind of business, you know, that laptop lifestyle where you're running a multi-million dollar business from a beach somewhere, right? Not that the sand is good for your laptop, but um, so the number one thing then is if you want to buy an online business that has a six figure profit, you're probably going to have to have savings. You're going to have to be building a stack of cash. Right. 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 So that would be number one. Um, and then as far, like, you know, I am not an IT guy, but I'm talking with people all the time about the different things that they're doing. And I'm, I'm, I myself do content marketing on the internet and, and that kind of thing. And so studying and learning about social media and, you know, driving traffic and all that kind of stuff, there's all sorts of resources out there that you can be learning about the sort of tactics that you're going to employ once you get your hands on this kind of business. Yeah. The, the big alternative that I could see, and I know that there are some people who are doing this, is they're looking for businesses that are real world businesses that haven't quite made a transition to online. And they're looking to buy those businesses in order for them to be the ones that do, do the transition. Huh. Okay. That's another strategy that potentially is there and it could be cheaper to execute with more work on the back end. Obviously, if you have to create that whole online thing, you had mentioned earlier that you had started something and then got frustrated by the lack of growth. Can you, can you describe sort of the time you invested in that and the things you were doing to try to grow it? Well, it was an interesting situation because I was working, you know, I had a job uh, with this nonprofit and could were, you, sorry, Joe, could you get closer to your mic? You're getting distant. Oh, sorry about that. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. It's better now. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, it was an interesting situation. I was, uh, I was working for this nonprofit and they had this, uh, closet, uh, filled with products like old audio, uh, tapes. And it was, they were just sitting there collecting dust. And, you know, this was like 2006 or seven. It's like 2007. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've technology and stuff. We were definitely like in the CDs, you know, moving into MP3s already. And so I, uh, you know, I was just sitting there looking at this closet and I was like, uh, we could make a lot of money if we just put these tapes on CDs and start up an online shopping cart and turn them into MP3s. 
Um, we could also start recording the classes that we teach um, and put those online as well. So, so it started off, it started off great. And actually, you know, uh, I turned something that was making no money into something that was making a couple grand, uh, like within a month, um, like month per month. So it was really good. The problem was, is that the company, uh, uh, was just being badly managed and, uh, eventually they had to sell, uh, the building, uh, that they were in. It was this huge, big historical, uh, building. Uh, in a big city down there in California. And so they just, you know, once, once they moved, uh, there was just no way for me to continue uh, working for them. They had to really just seriously downsize and yeah. So how long was this online thing growing? Well, you know, it's, uh, we barely really had a chance to get going. That was the, that was the sad part. Um, you know, we were recording the MP3s, uh, putting some of the recordings on CD. And uh, unfortunately, you know, the shopping cart just never really came together. Okay, but was it six months? Was it a year? Like, how long were you working on it? Oh, um, let's see. I'd say it was about about six months. Okay. Yeah. So if, if, you know, what you're describing is kind of like this experimental side hustle kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. And, and to go from zero to a couple thousand a month, it, it sounds like it was a, it was a pretty good start, especially in 2007, because in, and I'll give you the parallel that I had um, in, uh, in 2006, so when I left the yellow pages and I started the junk removal business with a partner and we had created the operations manual we created uh, all kinds of systems and um, flow charts and everything to run this junk removal business. Cause we were basically ripping off the business model of 1-800-GOT-JUNK. And um, we ended up selling the business after about a year and a half. So this would have been in like 2008 ish. We sold the business. And I got into the finance brokerage business that I did for a while before the, the financial crisis. Um, but when we sold the business, we retained the rights to all the IP. Like we gave a copy of everything to the guy who bought the business, but we said, you know, we're, we're going to do something with this. And we, at the time thought maybe we were going to start a franchise like 1-800-GOT-JUNK, which we never did. Right. Mm. And then after a while, I was like, hey, maybe we can put all this stuff together and create a start your own junk removal business kit. Hmm. And so we, I got some kind of little software program that allows you to, you know, have a little editing thing that you could build a website. I didn't know how to program HTML, but you could, you know, drag and drop and do this WYSIWYG thing to build this web page. And I built this web page for this kit we put together with all this IP. And we started to sell them. And again, the bandwidth of the internet was such at the time that we actually had, we were making CDs and sending them in the mail, CD-ROMs with the digital files on them. Mm, yeah. Uh, because we, and we, we couldn't, we didn't find anyone that would allow us to, to sell like today, you know, there's all these providers where you can upload digital files and they'll do the whole shopping cart thing for you. Right. Um, but we were starting to sell several copies a month and it was starting to turn into a little bit of money. It wasn't a real business by any means, but it was a pretty early time. And 
we never ever worked on it at all. Like we just put up the web page, and you know the search engines found us, and and people who were searching for that kind of stuff found us. But if I had wanted to, I probably could have created a whole thing with like an you know an academy and people could have joined and paid a regular membership fee and could have built out this whole business. Yeah. It wasn't such a common thing back then as it is now to see people do that, but the potential was there. <clears throat> I think today people are much more willing to, to open their wallets online to provide their credit card number to buy something. Right. That's right. The, um, so like, People like Jared Krause, you know, they'll say you know, starting a business is hard, which it is. That's what we're talking about. Uh, and that's why it makes more sense to buy one, right? But the people that I know who are in these online businesses uh, talk to me all the time about the risk factors that are involved in those businesses that don't, they aren't really the same as the risk factors in, in the rest of business in the real world. Like I, I'm, um, know a guy pretty well who does Amazon FBA who has to deal with listings getting frozen all the time. And like half the stuff he sells not being available because of something in the algorithm of Amazon that has shut down a bunch of listings or people that have problems, you know, um, with traffic flow or, or one thing or another. And so there's, there's hazards. It's not as sure I guess the thing that I, I'm trying to get across is that things move fast online. Yeah. You know? And so as far as getting prepared, I, if I was going to do this, I would want to be learning as much as I could about traffic and marketing and advertising and paid ads and, and all of that kind of stuff maybe and probably take some of these courses that you see advertised. Um, and there's a good one I've heard of, which I could probably find if I Googled for a little bit here, but um, there are certainly programs that are better than others for teaching that kind of stuff. I would want to learn that stuff. And I would also, if, you know, if you're going to buy, you said you didn't want e-commerce, like with a teaching background, I think some kind of content, site with affiliate links would be good, but I can only imagine, I mean, I'm an affiliate with Amazon. I have an Amazon store and I direct people there from time to time. If they want, they ask me what kind of books they should be reading. And I direct them there because it's the easiest way for me to maintain a, a reading list. And a, a lot of people go there and a lot of people buy stuff. And the most I've ever earned from it was like 35 bucks. So, so if you're talking six figures, I, I can't fathom the amount of traffic that would be required. Like it would be incredibly huge. Yeah. Um, okay. So two questions. Uh, let's see. The one, one is, you know, that, yeah, I've been looking into, uh, you know, trying to learn about this stuff and there's, you know, there's a fair amount of free stuff out there and it's, there's some good free stuff, but, um, uh, there's some courses. Uh, there's so many courses out there. There's so much noise. So yeah, if you had any recommendations, um, you know, of who to look at, uh, who to learn from, I'd really appreciate that. Um, um, yeah. It's yeah. I here. Just let me take a look. Um, 
it's the name of the training. It's something like in demand jobs or in demand marketing jobs or something like that. Hmm. Um, but if I type that in, all I'm getting is all kinds of just like news articles and stuff, but it's, it's, that's in the name of the business. And, um, I was listening to an interview with the guy and, and it's a legit program where there's a community and there's like thousands of people. And what I'm going to do after this, like, so when this gets published in the show notes, I'll make sure I link to it. Okay. Um, and I, cause I, I, I know who to ask. I can send one email and I'll get the, I'll get the URL, but let's, let's go. Let's, uh, let's leave that for later. But the, um, the skill set is what has to be developed. I know that, you know, from my conversations with Jared, like a big part of what he talks about with his clients is post acquisition, how you're going to optimize what's going on in that business and try to make improvements. Yeah. I mean, I don't even really understand what you just said, you know, <laughs> like that's, yeah, um, I need to, you know, I have a lot of learning to do. <laughs> well, you know, here's, here's the great thing about it is that is that you can learn these tools and play around with this stuff for very little cost, right? Yeah. Like, like you can, you can build a little online business as a little side hustle while you continue to do the thing you're doing to play with and experiment with this stuff. I, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, I think that's the best place to start. And that, that was my second question is, you know, what do you, what do you recommend as like a, you know, a growth strategy for a guy in my position, you know, um, I think it's kind of what I'm already doing. You know, I really, I'm pretty dedicated and I do put in at least 10 to 15 hours a week right now into, you know, learning the stuff and exploring and trying to figure things out. Yeah. Well, I, I guess the, let me ask you a few things like, like, what are you knowledgeable about as far as areas of topicality? Um, I'm, I know people like I know psychology, mm -hmm. you know, um, I was pretty good with sales. Um, I think I, I have to work on marketing. That's, that's where I'm pretty weak, honestly. Um, and especially in the online world. Um, but I think I could get up to speed with that pretty fast. Um, uh, let's see, finding, finding good people, uh, and understanding like what, what roles they could play uh, in an organization and what, what role I would play. Um, maybe like jet, definitely like a project management, general, uh, management. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like strategy, stuff like that. Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a good boss. Okay. So I think that what I would do is I would pick one of those areas and like narrow down to one thing. Yep. And as an example, Let's use sales as an example. So you've done sales and have you managed and trained people in sales? Did you say? I did. Yeah. So with that, that, um, uh, you know, would be uh, e-commerce business. Um, we started out, uh, there were some, uh, there were like two uh, ladies that worked at reception um, at the business. And so I trained them uh, to sell uh, uh, the CDs. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And they did a great job. Yeah. Okay. So, so if we're going to take sales as an example, 
then what you could do, for example, is you could create something like a PDF, okay? Mm -hmm. and, and call it the world's least expensive sales training program or sales training curriculum or something like that. Yeah. And you could create this document that, I don't know, talks about concepts in selling or whatever, ties in major ideas from some of the most popular sales books that have ever been written. And then as part of the bibliography or the, you know, the index or the background of this thing, there's links for people to buy those books themselves. Mm, okay. Right. Affiliate, right? Links, right. Affiliate links. Right. And so then, then you could either give this thing away for free or give it away for some kind of ridiculously low price, like 1995 or something like that. Right. Yeah. And, and now like I would do some, you know, when you type things into Google, I know that there's a tool somewhere in Google where you can actually look up how often different search terms are used. And I, I don't know what it's called, but I'm, I'm learning about this right now. It's just cool that you're saying this. I'm, I'm learning about uh, uh, domain flipping. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, you use Google keyword tool and, and uh, you can see all the stats, right? Right. So, so if you look in the Google keyword tool and you look for terminology, like where, where it's like people referencing low cost or cheap or cost effective or, you know, terms like that and the word sales and see what kinds of things people are Googling. And you use those in the name of whatever it is you create. So this, this is why one of my books is called how to sell my own business, not how to sell your own business. Right. Because people don't search how to sell your own business. They search, how do I sell my own business? Right. Right. So, so I named the book in that way. So it would be more in line with the organic thought that a lot of people might have if they happen to be in that, position in that mind frame looking for information uh, okay yeah that's great so mine right. would be like how to sell my stuff how to sell my you know or you know achieve achieve your sales targets with the world's most cost effective sales curriculum or sales training program or something like that okay right and and then once you you know and i'm not saying it should just be a page with a bunch of things on it i mean put like you know create something that's valuable, but you could be selling it from your own webpage for $9.99. It then creates all the backend revenue through the affiliate links, but you could also take the text of the document and put it onto Amazon as a, as a Kindle book. Mm. Okay. Right. And so, but by owning the terminology or, or targeting the terminology so that anyone who's looking for specifically some kind of low price or cost effective sales training yeah. is going to come across your thing. Right. And then, and then you create a Twitter account for it and you create an Instagram for it and, and you start, you know, being active on those platforms using some of the techniques you're probably learning from the different things you're studying right now. Right. And you, and you build and build and, and send grow traffic there. And I mean, this learning those types of skills you're going to start to be able to look at other businesses that you come across in the online space. And you're going to start thinking about, well, what are they not doing that could be done to improve this business? That's what I mean by optimizing. Right. Oh, right. 
So, so for example, if they're, if they're promoting themselves on Facebook and they've, you know, and they've got Google paid ads, but they don't have any kind of thing going on on Instagram, then that might be, well, you know, now that you have Instagram skills, you might say, well, I, I know how I would promote that on Instagram. Okay. Yeah. That right. Makes sense. And, and that's, that's where like, here's, here's the envious thing about your position right now is, is right now you have a business that's paying your bills, right? Oh yeah, totally. And more, right? yeah, I can save up a lot. So a lot of people who want to buy a business to replace their income, um, they have to buy a business that's big enough and has enough of a cash flow that they can leave their job they don't like and they go into the business and they can start paying themselves an amount of money that they need to live on. When you're already in business, you have so much more flexibility because you, you could do this little side hustle thing to develop your skills then you might say, I'm going to buy a really small online business that's way too little for my purposes. Yeah. But this is a, an exercise in optimization. So I'm going to buy this small business, maybe for 10, 15, 20 grand that only earns a couple thousand a month. And then I'm going to see if I can double it. Okay. Right. Great. Yeah. yeah. You hit on something really you know, that I was going to ask actually, which is, you know, when I, when I think of buying a business, I think of like, Oh, it's a lot of, it's a huge amount of money. Mm -hmm. but there are, there are these businesses that sell for, you know, in the low thousands, you know, up to 20,000 and with a little bit of sweat equity, um, put a little bit of that into it. Yeah. My, my double. So yeah, that was, I was totally going to ask you that too. Well, and, and now like, when you talk about buying a business that size, you're talking about doing something that kind of approximates the cost of tuition at, at a university, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, I could go get some kind of degree or I can actually do this real world experiment and develop skills. Yeah. Right. And if you're unsuccessful and you can't grow it at all and it just stays the same, you're still earning money. Right. That's right. Yeah. So, and then you could sell it again, right? So the, so the downsides are, are few, but the, the whole idea of experimenting on a small business is something I picked up when I was a business broker. I started to get these clients, very wealthy people with very big successful businesses here in the region. And they would come in with their adult child. So, you know, senior, the business owner is like 55 or 60 years old and juniors 25 and has worked in the family business the whole time. And they would come in to see me because the idea was that they would buy a business for junior to go run hmm. before he took the wheel of the important real big business. Right. Right. And, and I thought it was a great idea to kind of let people prove themselves in a, in a smaller sandbox. Right. Hmm. Um, but there's no reason why you can't do that to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's, that's a great idea. And I think, you know, I feel like that, that experience that I had um, in the past, you know, with the <laughs> trying to get the e-commerce thing going, I think, you know, I proved a lot of things to myself about being able to, you know, run uh, mm -hmm. an operation and actually make money with it. So I was just, I was limited by the fact that I didn't actually own 
uh, that business. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the, the most important thing with anything to do online is audience. So you, you could even start like, you know, work on what the keywords are going to be and see if the domain is available and all that kind of stuff. But you could start building the audience before the product is even ready. Hmm. Okay. Right. And so you could create like a Twitter account with a name related to the ultimate domain name, and then just start doing stuff on Twitter, like following other people that talk about sales, commenting on things about sales, uh, sharing tidbits or retweeting other people's insightful comments about sales. And then you'll start to get followers who are interested in sales, right? And then as you develop your product, once it's ready, then you, you kind of have a market built up. Mm, okay. Yeah. Before I even get started. Yeah. And I've seen people do this kind of thing where they will try to measure the marketability of something by trying to build an audience and see if anyone's interested in that topic before they go and create the effort into making the product that more and more people are doing this in the info product space as a, you know, actually I, I, let me tell you what I did for my cash flow forecasting and business plan writing program. Um, I started to pre-sell it before I did recorded the first week. So I was, I said, this is what I'm going to build. And if you want it, you can sign up. And I offered a, a really low price, less than a hundred dollars. And like 20 people signed up. And so I, I knew I was like, okay, the, the people are interested in this that, you know, from my audience. Now I was talking to an audience I had built up over time on YouTube and everything. So I already had a bunch of people tuning into the stuff I was doing, but yeah. I didn't know if there was a subsect within that group who were interested in this particular thing. And then as I started to record each week, I kept promoting it to my email list and my YouTube followers. And I kept increasing that introductory price. And I said, you know, if you sign up before it's done, you get, you get the, you know, sort of pre-construction price. If you want to compare it to condos, right. You get the pre-construction deal. And by the time I was done, I had a few dozen people who had signed up. And then I, I completed that in, it was 2019. I completed that. And, um, and then since then, you know, a lot of other people have signed up and they, and they pay like, you know, the full price kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, myself included. Yeah. Oh, you took that, you took that program. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. I haven't gotten all the way through. Um, I'm just like bombarded by things to do, but uh, I got up to the um, basically through the whole part where you're building the, the Excel sheets. So not to the part where you actually get ready to present it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was awesome. It was awesome, man. And like, yeah, like the value is really good, even at the current price. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, um, but if I had done all that promotion to the people who are already part of my audience and nobody had signed up, it probably would never have been created. Yeah. Wow. Right. Because, Because then I would have had this idea that maybe there really isn't an interest. So, you know, these are, you know, just sort of things that, and and I mean, I haven't invented most of these ideas. I, I, 
because I'm have a business that's in this space, I'm, I'm tuned into people who are talking about that kind of stuff. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who do you look to, you know, like who are your, um, you know, I guess role models or, or mentors or, you know, people that you've gotten some of the best information from who are, you know, who've gotten that you actually motivated to really do something. So let, you know, let me be perfectly clear. I, I have followed different people who are big names in the online info marketing space. And with the exception of one that I'm going to talk about in a second, all of them eventually have proven to me that I really shouldn't be following them. Mm. And like you, you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of static, a lot of smoke and mirrors and stuff going on online. Yeah, it's true. There is um, the I, I I have an email list. Email marketing is an important part of my business, and I've you know people who are on my email list get my emails all the time. Um, so I I um, study from a guy named Ben Settle, um, and his website is emailplayers.com. And gotcha. so, ironically, he teaches you how to do email marketing through a paper-based print newsletter that comes by FedEx once a month. Wow. And so I've been subscribing to him for years and um, more than just email, like just in overall how to run a business based on information and, and content marketing and stuff like that. Hmm. I've learned a ton from him. Um, a lot of the... A lot of the other people that you'll hear talking online, they have some, some sound bites and some nuggets of good information and some ideas, but I, I, I can't really give you anyone else's name um, just because I've listened to them. I've, I've you know, seen what they're doing and eventually see, have seen most of them do, well, almost all of them do things that I know just might be good for their pocket, but aren't really good for the people that they're purporting to teach. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. It's, right. it's tough, man. I mean, the, the leverageability of the internet, the fact that you could, the fact that I can, you know, spend some time creating that online course that you took and then hundreds or thousands of people potentially from around the world could sign up for it means that there's, a big lever at play. Right. Yeah. And, you know, once upon a time, if, if someone was, you know, a little bit unethical or whatever, maybe they, you know, would be doing things in one community or one town or, or what have you. But now with the internet, I mean, I, I, one of my favorite YouTube channels, this guy, Spencer Cornelia, and his whole channel is exposing frauds. Mm, okay. I got to check and, that out. It's, and it's, it's incredible, you know, some of the stuff that people are doing and mostly it's on YouTube, um, the stuff he's talking about, but it's, it's, it's unreal, you know? Uh, and then when he sits and does the math and the calculations and, and, you know, what I was watching a video of his last night where, you know, he calculated potentially the fraud that these two characters had done would probably brought them about $2 million. And it's like, holy cow. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's a downside to the internet. You really, 
have to vet who you're doing business with. I mean, I get huge numbers of inquiries from people who want to get onto my channel as a guest. And we have had to implement a whole due diligence process on potential guests. Mm, Okay. Right. And like, I get things all the time from people who are like, Oh, I scaled the business to eight figures and you, and you start snooping around and, and realize there's holes in their story or, or you look at their Instagram and they've got five posts or 10 posts, but they somehow have 8,000 followers. And you're like, Oh, they must've bought those. Like how, how'd they get that? Right. 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 And, and, now, I was on a brief call earlier today, and we're recording this in November, uh, at the end of November, with a guy named Ken. And I spoke with him for 10 or 15 minutes and could quickly know that he was experienced in talking about what he was talking about. And he had a long career in that. And I checked out his LinkedIn, and he's got jobs going back 30 years in that domain, right? So he's going to come onto my channel and talk about you know, service management stuff which is what his experience is. And, you know, after talking with him, I know that he knows what he's talking about, but that's, that's the, uh, that's the danger with this online stuff. So I can't really say you should go hit your wagon to one person or the other. If you're going to use email marketing, I I recommend Ben settle. Um, And the other thing is I would just say that, you know, a lot of the times and maybe this isn't quite the case for some of the online stuff, but a lot of the times I've found that you can get some really great information from books on different topics okay. for 10, 15 bucks, you know, like nine ninety nine for the Kindle edition. And I know, I know that there are people out there selling courses for $2,000 and, you know, they made it after reading some of those books. I'm uh, yeah, <laughs> embarrassed to say that I've gone, I've fallen into that trap. I've definitely had the shiny object syndrome. I think that's what they're calling it. Yeah. Yeah. Where you get distracted and you think, oh, that's the next best thing. And, and yeah. 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 It's, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's, it can be hazardous. You just like caveat emptor, right? Yeah. I mean, um, it, 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 there's nothing more valuable than your reputation, especially online. Yeah. You know, people leave a digital footprint and, you know, you, if you don't, in my mind, if you don't act perfectly ethically and honestly with, with people, then eventually you won't be able to outrun the, the, the wake that you create. I think, yeah, that was one really crucial thing I wanted to, to talk to you about is I think my, I know how important it is to build relationships and have a good reputation. I have just been really terrible about like recording and keeping track of like the things I've accomplished. And like, I think I have a LinkedIn profile, you know, like, so what, where would you say to start there? I, I think that LinkedIn is like a key for networking. Um, people that are real wheeler dealer networker type people don't rely on it. They have some kind of contact management system that they use Hmm. because they don't necessarily want to trust LinkedIn. 
I remember when LinkedIn was just a few years ago, I could download all of my contacts and get their names, their job titles, their phone numbers, their email addresses, like all their information. Hmm. And I thought, wow, this is great. I can um, use this instead of trying to keep track of my own contacts. And then what was happening is people were creating these spoof accounts and they would connect with people. And some people would accept those connections. And then they would download all that data and put them onto spam email lists or start sending them junk mail in the mail. And so they had such a big spam problem on LinkedIn that they changed it. So now when I download my contact list, all I get is the, I get the first and last name and the title. Hmm. Is all I get now. So if I want someone's email, I can still get it. I just have to go to their profile, unhide a thing like a tab, and then I can see it. Okay. But it means that you can't automatically download thousands of emails at once, okay. which, which you can understand quickly would have opened up, up potentially problems with people doing spam, right? Oh, yeah. So you, you, you want to be on LinkedIn. Um, and you want to have as many connections as you can, but just because of the, just because of its power, I, I recorded one of the other holiday chat calls and the topic of how do I find people in this profession in a certain geography came up and LinkedIn's the answer. Okay. Like you just do a search, set your geographical area, set it for three degrees of separation, put some keywords in for the title. And then like they'll LinkedIn will list all the people that you're within three degrees of separation from that have that in their present or past description. Okay. So it sounds like connections are, is maybe the most important thing. Yeah. And I've, I've followed a few different people who teach LinkedIn networking and theory and stuff. And if you hear someone talking about LinkedIn and you hear them talking about automation or tricks or anything like that, that's not the person you want to talk to. I get people asking to connect with me all the time and I'm pretty liberal with connecting with people because in the back of my head, I'm like, who is this person? Maybe they read one of my books. Right. Right. And so even though their, their title might be completely not related to buying or selling businesses, they could be a person who read one of my books and they want to connect with me. So I accept these connections and then I'll get the five paragraph Hey, thanks for connecting. I just wanted to let you know about this great opportunity, blah, 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 crypto profits, blah, blah, you know, uh, blah, blah. Yeah. and then yeah. it's like, all right. And now I have to go and unconnect you yeah, because you're just trying to spam me. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so I don't think that can be a profitable way to, to conduct yourself on LinkedIn, what those people are doing right, right. in, in my experience the way you conduct yourself on LinkedIn is the same way you would if you happen to bump into someone at some sort of trade show or convention or meeting. Is you, you legitimately create some kind of conversation that's relatable and valuable. And you know maybe you see that the person has something in common with you and you say, hey, I noticed you did this and I did that too. And I think that's really cool. You know, um, I'm, I'm actually looking to connect with people who are interested in this because I'm trying to do this and do you know anyone or whatever. And just like how you might address someone in person. And through those LinkedIn connections, I've met some really great friends online. Like, well, for example, like Mike Finger from ExitOasis.com. 
who's been on my YouTube channel a few times. I met him on LinkedIn. Um, Clinton Lee over at um, ukbusinessbrokers.co.uk, I think it is, where he runs a business where he has a whole database of business brokers over there and he helps business owners find the right broker. You know, all these great people that I've ended up collaborating with on the internet, I've met them all on LinkedIn. Mm, okay. Right. And, and in the same vein that, you know, you, you meet someone at a conference or a convention and you start talking about a common interest. One of the ways that you meet people on LinkedIn is you join some of the groups Right. So you'd find LinkedIn groups about some of the topics that you're interested in, like online marketing, online business, et cetera. And when people make comments, you can like reply or add on to their comment with your own feedback. And sometimes you end up with a little back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, then if you send a connection request to that person, they're likely going to accept it because they chit chatted with you Right. in they that group. Here. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And, and so that's how you use it, you know, to, to really build connections with people mm-hmm. and, and, you know, it can lead to conversations off LinkedIn, you know, over zoom and stuff like that. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking, uh, yeah. How do I get that going? And, um, I have been realizing more and more like LinkedIn is, you know, what, uh, uh where people go. Um, so yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So what else? I mean, what have we not addressed yet that you were thinking before the call? Uh, you know, I, I feel like that pretty much covered everything. Like, um, I feel like the, uh, the sales training, the world's least expensive sales training program, you know, that's, that's definitely not something I would have thought of. And um, it might be taken. So <laughs> you'll have to do some research. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, do you, let's see. What about financing for uh, websites or, or online businesses? Yeah. So um, a few things are creeping up that are, have come into my, you know, into my peripheral vision. First of all, there are some, SBA lenders that are saying that they do this. Um, I've also heard from a lot of people that it's really difficult to qualify. What changed in the pandemic is that before the pandemic, you know, you had to have business experience to get an SBA loan and they were pretty broad in their understanding of what business experience meant. Like I had one client uh, down in Georgia who has been in business a long time, managing people, running big projects, et cetera. And he bought a power equipment business. And so before the pandemic, they accepted his business experience. And after the pandemic, the, the same lender said, well, do you have experience with like lawnmower sales? <laughs> he was like, no. And, and they rejected him. And he had to go on a hunt and eventually uh, through a, a loan broker found a, a bank in another state that was willing to do the deal. So, so that's one thing is that, and, and if you Google SBA loans for online businesses, I'm sure you'll find some lenders advertising. Right. So that, that may be an opportunity. The other thing is that um, I've, I've been told about some lenders who are being category specific 
So I heard about one lender who was doing up to 65% loan to value on acquisitions of Amazon FBA businesses. Okay. You, you had to make weekly payments to them. It was tied to your sales. They wanted a percentage of sales to repay the loan and the interest rate was in the mid teens. So for most acquisitions, that kind of cost of financing, you would probably not, it would probably not work out. Okay. Right. And so, but that's, that's like a lender kind of create, stepping their toe into that space, trying to create a program that makes sense for them. And it might not be a fit with a lot of buyers, but there are options out there. The, you know, I know that under sort of a 50 or $70,000 purchase price, a lot of them are just being bought cash because there's so many buyers out there that want to buy these online businesses that have access to that kind of money, especially with the run-up in real estate prices. So if someone is a homeowner, for example, they could, and they bought their home more than three or four years ago, they could probably get a HELOC and get enough money to buy that business with a check. Right. Right. The bigger ones, there's lots of seller financing, just just like in the regular world of business. Yeah, I have been. Uh, I keep coming across this uh, uh, term, uh, digital real estate, that keeps popping up. Um, and uh, yeah, that's. I mean, it's ideal for me because I'm definitely uh, uh, not in the market for a house, <laughs> especially not right now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I mean, a piece of something, you know, <laughs> I, what is that? There's a website or some kind of online environment, second earth or something where it's like a copy of earth and they're selling lots on it. That, oh yeah, that's right. That's part of the, I think that's like part of the whole NFT, you know, thing uh, going on the block. They're like blockchain games and you can buy you know, pieces of a state in a virtual world. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like when I, when I see that, I feel tempted. And then I know from experience, I need to like just run the other way. <laughs> I, I learned about it. And just like this Spencer Cornelia guy, there's another guy on YouTube named CoffeeZilla. And, and he went and bought the house that was in Vancouver that appeared in a news article that apparently Dan allegedly Dan Locke was evicted from. Hmm, I don't know if you've run into that guy online. He's got a big red suit. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. um, That's how I learned about it. And it was, I was just like, this is, this is crazy. Is it people are buying this just in the hopes that at some point down the road, it'll be worth more to someone else. Like, yeah. You know, there's, there's a term for that. It's called, it's the greater fool theory, right? Or you're just, it's like juggling hot potatoes. And, you know, to me, it's not investing. But yeah. owning great domain, a great domain name, that can make sense to me. I'm not, I'm not so certain that flipping domains necessarily is, is something that I would want to get into. That to me is like purely speculation. But right. you can come up with, I mean, I have several domains for my business and they all describe what I'm doing pretty well. A lot of them are, are, have been come up with by using sort of keyword 
research, right? And um, but I've I've never had trouble with being able to simply rephrase things into such a way that I could get the dot com for whatever I was looking for. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just I don't know enough about it. Yeah. Um, it seems like the winning. I mean, what would you say about like where where how is it that people really succeed long term in business? And in my mind, it's that they actually like create something of value or they invest in something of value that over time continues to appreciate. Like it really keeps its value. I mean, is that does that make sense? You you have to do something that is worth something to someone else. Yeah. Right. And then there's, you know, then a bunch of other factors come at play. Like how easily is it replicatable? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I mean, whoever started making shoelaces first, instead of having to make your own, I don't know where shoelaces came from, I guess strips of leather. Um, you know, a lot of people probably thought, geez, that's the best thing. Those are the great shoelaces, but it was easy to copy. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's, it's creating value, but it's creating value in a way that's easy for you to create value, but difficult for others to copy you. Mm. Okay. That, that I think is part of the key, right? And, you know, it's proven out by the market over the long haul. This, people are always asking me, you know, like, what's the thing I should get into? What's the easy way to make a lot of money or whatever? And, and I don't think that it's easy to determine that because if, if it was, then everyone would be, you know, everyone would be doing it. That's right. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, I remember watching an interview with uh, Dave, the founder of Wendy's. I forget his last name. You know what I mean? I, uh, yeah. It's on the tip of my tongue. I can't think of it either. Yeah. yeah his, his daughter was named Wendy, I think. I think that's where it got the name. Um, And he was explaining that when he started Wendy's, the market was actually underserved. That at lunchtime, any day in any town, anywhere, the lineups at the burger joints were huge. Like there literally was not enough supply. And so he built out, he managed to build out this big business, Wendy's, you know, it was like third place or whatever in the burger world. And, um, the same could not be said today. You would not have the same growth rate today if you started a brand new burger joint. Right. Right. And then, but, but, you know, there's other options now, like times change. Like, so do you know, Mr. Beast? Right. That's the virtual kitchen for one of those restaurants, Red Robin's. I only know I only know of Mr. Beast because my son watches some of his videos. He does these ridiculous stunts and gives away money and stuff like this on YouTube. But he has a burger restaurant which doesn't actually exist. What he does is he contracts with other restaurants, and I believe it's other restaurants of many different varieties in towns all over the states. And and he just licenses them to fulfill his orders. So people go on to like Uber Eats or skip the dishes and they order Mr. Beast lunch. And it, it. it could be any local restaurant that happens to be the Mr. Beast provider in that town is the one who makes the meal and then skip 
picks it up and delivers it. Wow. Okay. And then the, the actual restaurant gets a cut. They, they earn money for fulfilling the order, right? Like skip the dishes earns their fee for delivering it. And then Mr. Beast earns something because he's the one that created the demand and, and owns, owns the restaurant. And so from, from that local restaurant's point of view, if they have any extra capacity in their kitchen, it's just bonus money to help cover their overhead. Yeah. Right. I mean, they, somebody could order from Mr. Beast Burger and from that local restaurant and have, you know, two different orders on an app (laughs) and deliver to the same place. And the driver would just be going from A to B but it would be two different purchases. And from the customer's point of view, it, probably, it would have come from two different places. Right, right, right. So is, right. Mm-hmm. that's like the innovation, the, you know, the, how this technology changes things, right? right? Yeah, it's kind of what you were saying kind of towards the beginning here was um, that line between virtual and real world is kind of, it's kind of blurry, right? You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so, so he did that. The question is how many more people could pull that off before there's just like too many. Okay. Yeah. Like here uh, about three blocks from my house, there's an old building, an old warehouse building and somebody put a big full line kitchen in there, no dining room. And they, they now are on skip the dishes as 12 different restaurants. Wow. With 12 different menus. So like, and I don't know what they are, but like Chinese, Thai, you know, pub style, pizza, like they're in there as all these different things, but it's one kitchen wow. with, with no wait staff, just all the orders are coming through the apps. They're fulfilling the orders. Delivery guys take it away. They don't have to even have a cash register. All the money comes in through the apps. Mm. That's incredible. Yeah. And it's, but it's, it's innovation, right? Like I, I, I just think it's amazing. Like how people come up with these new ways to stretch these new tools in different directions. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I'd like to, you know, think of myself, uh, as an innovator, you know, in my mind anyway, right. I'm a genius. And, you know, some of the, <laughs> uh, some of the things I've done in the past have been pretty innovative. I mean, you know, what I did with that, uh, with that company, mm-hmm. you know, way back when, you know, just, just nobody thought of it. And I was just standing there and I just thought of it and suddenly bang, you know, we we're off and running. So I don't know, whatever that I'll, I'll try to tune into that <laughs> going forward here. Yeah. All right, Joe. Well, um, we're at the end. So did, did we pretty much cover all the bases you were looking for? Uh-huh. Yeah, man. I, I, I really appreciate it. I'm glad I found you. You know, I found you through one of your books on Amazon and, and uh, yeah, that was definitely, that was eye-opening and uh, it's been uh, uh, great talking with you. Yeah. Awesome. We'll have a happy new year and, um, and we'll talk with you later sometime. Let me know how it goes. Oh, definitely. All right, man. Yeah. Take care. All right. Have a good one. Uh-huh. Bye-bye.